Good evening, listeners, and welcome along to Across the Line here on Tip FM. Myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, October the 27th, 2023. Today's show, we're going to be looking ahead to the Senior County Hurling Final replay on Sunday, of course, Tarla Sarsfields against Killadangan. We're also going to be looking ahead or looking uh, back on what's happened so far for the Tipperary women in the AFLW as that season uh, nears a uh, conclusion. We're also going to be talking marathon running later in the show, and also Barry Drake will have our weekly Greyhound update. So all that to come across the next 50 minutes or so. But I'm delighted to say I'm joined in studio now by former host of the show and uh, Nina Gargin's Shane Brophy. Shane, thanks for coming in. Good to hear, Paul. So Shane, we're obviously going to be talking hurling, but I suppose um, we'll have to start with congratulations on, on last weekend for yourselves down in Laura, back-to-back uh, Back to back promotions, and uh, as we were saying just before uh, we went live here, it's a, it's probably a bit of a relief winning winning a replay. Uh, absolutely, I suppose. Yeah, I, I would have said last year's championship was um, been an intermediate was a bit of a relief, but uh, definitely this year there's definitely more a satisfaction to it because I suppose it. it I wouldn't say it came out of nowhere. We were in the final of this in twenty twenty, but. Uh, I suppose coming up from a lower grade and to go back to back third grade and second grade like I don't think it's I know it's been done in other counties a team going from one to the other and winning them by I just I was talking to to Michael Cleary here in town re- earlier on and even he couldn't uh, come across uh, a team doing it something like that so it's it's a unique achievement you think in all the history of the GA that probably something like that has never been done before in in tips so uh, a lovely moment and I suppose yeah it was a great weekend last weekend and. Looking forward to, to representing Tip and Munster now next week against Corrafin of Clare, so it'll be back down to back down to work this weekend. Yeah, no, it's definitely an, an exciting time, I suppose. But uh, you can maybe draw off the experience of being a, a selector with Laura for what I suppose the management of Thurlis Arsus and Kildangan have gone through for the last two weeks. I suppose preparing for mm. a replay. A lot probably goes into a thought process. A lot of harping back to the for the drone game. How did you find that, and what, what do you think uh, the Kildangan and, and Thurles crowd will be going through? Yeah, I suppose first of all, um, I'd say for for Kildangan and Thurles, the fact that they have two weeks is huge for both teams. Like I suppose for, from the Premier Intermediate Final point of view, having the week, there's very little you can do. It's just about rest and recovery and stuff like that. I suppose the the Kildangan and Torles probably would have been able to take a few days off maybe and then maybe last weekend have a really good hard training match and I suppose Kildangan were probably able to do that Torles wouldn't have been in, in probably in a position unless maybe they got some of their junior members up to, to make up the numbers so um, I think there's no doubt I'd say in some ways if you have two weeks it's maybe not ideal as well because you can maybe overthink things and mm. you maybe trawl through the match video two, three, four times go through the sets and try and find those fine margins which I think that's all it's going to be on Sunday again the replay fine margins because we saw how how tight that, that drawn match was there was never more than three points between them and and okay well Turles probably had more of the probably the more on the front foot more in that game Um like I think they'll probably feel there's more to come and I certainly think there's more to come from Kildangan as well Yeah and like reading the piece, your piece in the Guardian, you kind of you gave the nod to to Killadangan, but close game. I think Enda Tracy in the start said this could go to penalties, and uh, JJ Kendi in the Nationalist was said he'd be surprised if it was anything more than a puck of a ball mm. in it. So I suppose that's that's everyone's kind of prognosis of this game that it's going to be a tight game. But there's there's a lot to kind of think about uh, for pundits and spectators and management alike. But I suppose looking back at the first game, like Killadangan, um. 
you could they, a lot of their scores were kind of long distance as you kind of expected it would be mm. and you know Paul Flynn got some crazy scores Billy Seymour got one over in the, the wing but I suppose they're probably going to be looking for more from maybe the inside forward line like Dan O'Mara probably had a tough task on um, on Dennis Maher at the edge of the square uh, Brian Malachny never really got into the game so if Kiladangan will probably feel like they can maybe get more out of their forwards than what Thurlis can maybe improve on from the last time. Yeah, I, 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 I'd agree with that. But I'd say Thurlis, I think both teams are nearly a mirror image of where they feel they can get more gains. I think both respect to full forward lines definitely is where it's where it can happen. Like, OK, well, Dara Stakelham did get three points from play of the last day. He did get them sort of a deeper role while Owen yeah. Purcell, Paddy Creedon or, or Billy McCarthy didn't really... I suppose but Kiladangan won that battle and I said then on the other side Dan O'Mara and Brian Morocco were pretty peripheral like they worked hard but you, they're, they just didn't get on the ball they were second to a lot of it and I'm sure that would have been a focus in Kiladangan like we've got to get those two firing because as I said, Paul Flynn was technically a full forward member but he did a lot of his damage further away from goal at those points from play on the wings either side were, were incredible in the second half and um, just like I would expect both teams pretty to set up pretty similar like Turles are pretty much on their hand at this stage that they like creating Ronan Maher as, as a spare man and um, Colin Maloney coming back as picking up their centre back or their opposition centre forward and I think the t- big thing for me was how Kiladangan got back in the drawing match was when Willie Connors came on and then he I think in 10 minutes as I say he sort of drifted into the sweeper role for Kiladangan and they started working the ball up to the middle and instead of driving it long and Perona Maher was eating it up they worked it up Declan McGraw Alan Flynn Joe Gallagher and that's where they got the goal from so I would expect that I would expect that I think both teams will know that the respective sweepers are there and it'll be who wins that middle third battle and who can get the success on the flanks Was mm. I think that's where the joy is going to be Yeah and I, like I wonder was it a was it a, a, a management thing that told the Kiladangan crowd to let's run at them a bit more because mm. that goal that they got like Declan McGrath had it midfield and mm. looked like he kind of wanted to strike and he was threw it up to strike and then put it back down mm. but it opened things up then when he played the hand pass into Sean Hayes mm. but like if you look at the group game Kiladangan got fierce joy out of running now I know Ronamara mm. wasn't playing that day but like like of Sean Hayes coming down downhill running opens everything up so I'm sure that's something they'll be looking at oh, just speed oh absolutely yeah. I think it was I think it was more the fact that the, the, the uh, Torles' half forward line were winning the aerial battle. I thought Torles looked the, the fresher, the livelier the last day. And that's not to say maybe Kiladangan were, were tired or anything. They were just, Torles looked more, I wouldn't say more upward, but they looked a fresher team, the sprightlier team. And mm. like they're, from what I, even going back to the Premier Intermediate final, the, the speed at which they move the ball is incredible, Torles. Like they, particularly in the hand pass, they always seem to have one or two options, and, and there's no really pass given for the sake of it. They 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 always have an option to call on, and um, I'm sure that's something that kill, probably frustrated Kiladangan to a certain extent last year. They probably didn't get enough pressure sometimes on the Kiladangan or the Torles Arsfield's ball carrier, and they'll be looking to to find an, a, a little bit more in terms of that. Yeah, and for. For Thurlis, I suppose, we kind of mentioned that they will want more from their forwards as well. But Ronan maybe didn't have as much of an influence in that game as other games. But like he's going to be probably sitting on the edge of the D again. Mm. And it's going to be a case of if he if short puck outs or anything are going to him, it just everything is based off that platform mm. of, of Ronan Maher at the edge of the D. Or it might be that some that, that 
Dan O'Mara and Brian Malachny sacrificed themselves and they normally more or less plant themselves on and it's sort of a a two-on-one situation but you're trying to make sure that if the Kildangans start playing the ball to the to, to to the wings that Ronan is not picking it up uh, on his own like and, and then is able to spray 80 yard balls up the field if he can like mm. he's he's he, he's got to be put under pressure there's there's no doubt about it and like whoever is going to be the unfortunate team that loses here on Sunday it's going to be a, an extremely difficult loss because the Thurless lost the 2021 replay to Lockmore oh. Kildangan lost last year's replay to uh, Killer One so I wonder is there like elements of nearly there probably is some elements of fear in there that oh god we don't want to lose another one for both teams but probably won't affect the play on the day but that's another kind of psychological thing that's going to be playing in the minds of nearly everyone involved Oh definitely like I think for the winner it, there's going to be an immense satisfaction this as I say both teams have, have bad experiences of losing replays you look at Hurlis they've lost three senior final replays on the trot now even like you're going back to 92 2002 2021 throwing last weekend it's not a look I, 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 this is a completely different set of players but it's not a it's not, it's not a night it's a I suppose a small extra thing that's hanging over them too and then you go to Killadangan who probably didn't perform in the, the replay last year while it was tight up to the last 15 minutes like Killer One pulled away so yeah I'm sure that that's, it'll be interesting to see how they both respective managers address that this week in terms of replay and what they've learned from their experiences over the last uh, I suppose their respective replay losses in the last, year, last two years and what, what they can learn from it this time around Yeah it's a kind of a fascinating thing just the psychological aspects of it but from uh, a starting 15 point of view we saw Willie Connors come on after 20 minutes uh, the last day John O'Mara with an injury like if you had just showed up to Semple Stadium 20 minutes into the game and you saw Willie Connors when you would have never thought he was injured mm. for most of the year he looked um, yeah. back to kind of full fitness so you'd have to expect he starts here someday yeah I, I'm led to believe that he hasn't trained much since the drawing game so obviously that ankle is probably still coming against him but if you were to feel that you're meant to, you're, you're sort of thinking that they're 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 make, they're they're keeping him fresh to make sure he's ready to go and like you have to think a player like that needs to be on the field and I suppose it, he came on for John O'Mara you would think that maybe that's, that could be a like for like change but John could I know John was carrying an injury into the drawing game and he was struggling so unless he's 100% fit if, if he's fit I think John O'Mara might start and they might well sacrifice maybe a forward and it's sort of your maybe a uh, Dan Dan O'Mara or Brian Malachney or Andy Lucknan. I think I think Kildangan might be looking for the fact that if they start Willie Connors, they've probably they've probably taken away maybe their their best impact player. So they'll probably try and keep somebody on the bench that can make a difference. And it could well be a Brian Malachney who, because like we saw what he did in twenty twenty when he was taken off and he was brought back on and he was the match winner. So uh, that that'll be a consideration. You look on the Turles side. Um, Paddy Creedon was brought back in for the drawn match didn't really impact the game an awful mm. lot and you saw Shawnee Butler who's had a trip for MK and was probably unlucky to be dropped for the, the county final come on and getting a point and looking lively so they have they have a Turles has their own con, uh, selection issues too in terms of do we go Paddy again or do we go with the, the hot hand who's played well for us all year Would you say Turles have maybe the advantage in terms of more impact off the bench than Kildangan? I I would have thought so. Like that, they're they're not slow in using the bench. Although they only used two subs the last day, and David Corbett and um and Shawnee Butler. Generally, they they have they're able to call in four or five. And um, I'm sure. I suppose 
looking at the Premier Intermediate team I think the first two you would have thought off that team would have been maybe the likes of Jack Lanigan and Michael Cahill but they, they were they limped off injured late last weekend so um, so like but then and Kildangan, like I think Connor Byrne has been very very effective off the bench like I, I think the likes of him would be definitely well able to co- to contribute as well if he's asked to do he's asked to do a, a job as well so um, look I think it'll be down primarily to the, the first 15 so definitely if you're going deep into the bench you think Torles have the have the have the advantage there and for the game itself in terms of playing out um a lot of kind of point taking in that the last day. Not, not an awful lot of goal chances. No. Of course, Paul Flynn got that goal in the in the drawn game. Do you think that would be the same kind of a long distance shooting kind of game again, or could you see maybe it opening up a little bit more? Uh, I I I think the fact that I think both teams will end up having a, a plus one or a sweeper in in the half back line will make goals hard to come by. So I think you're you're going to probably see an awful lot. The middle third will be so congested and be about trying to find guys out on the edge and maybe getting good looks at shots and um, I, it, I suppose the drawing match I thought it was I thought it was compelling without being overly exciting and maybe I'd love to see maybe a, maybe the fact that it's a replay maybe more players will throw the shackles off a small bit and maybe take a bit more risk with the ball and it might lend itself to a, to I suppose we'd like to see the last 15 minutes after the Paul Flynn goal and draw match was very very exciting hopefully mm. we'll see more of that and um, I'm not sure what the weather forecast is like for Sunday yet, wet. but it's wet, so wet, yeah. maybe a wet ball might lead to more handling errors, and handling errors could lead to breaking ball and, and more potential of a goal chances as well. So, um, I just think it's it's just a game of fine margins. You think they're they're two teams that just know each other so well, like, and you think when that happens sometimes there's a bit of contempt but there's no they're, they're two very very clean teams you couldn't say there was any dirt or physicality or very physical game the last so I, I don't think it'll be any different this weekend yeah and whoever does win it will be like extremely well well earned because yeah. it's been a long championship and uh, for both sides mm. but you're kind of just leaning Kildang I, I, I went for them for, for the drawing game and okay while coming while you were coming away from the drawing I'm thinking okay Turles probably were the better team and, and who was the, who was the team that probably left it behind me probably Bill Turles and I just looked at some of the Turles players with the final whistle there they were down on their knees and they had given everything I'm not sure it was pure disappointment they had given everything and that's what you expect from Park Matter team hers Kiladang and looked like they could have gone on and uh, for another few minutes mm. and um, that was I think there was probably an element of relief too from Kiladeng and that they were they were chasing it for a lot of it and yeah. the only I think they had only was of the thirteen times they were level I think Kiladeng only had the lead twice like so that just shows you that that for more, the the majority of the game it was uh, Torres to the fore but just on the basis that I think the greater scope for improvement of what I've seen is from Kiladeng and that it might just take a small bit level of improvement from them to get over the line yeah no it's one that. We definitely can't uh, can't wait for Sunday, 3 o'clock, throwing in Sample Stadium. Live coverage here on Tip FM with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. Uh, Shane Brophy, thanks a million for coming in and joining us on Across the Line. Pleasure. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back with more after these. And you're very welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, October 27th, 2023. Now we're going to switch focus to women's AFLW down in Australia. Of course, we have five Tipperary women competing in the AFLW and we're eight weeks into the 10-week regular season. So let's get an update on how the Tipperary women are getting on two, two months into the season. So I'm joined on the line by AFLW Ireland's Mike Curran. Mike, you're very welcome back to the show. 
Hi Paul, delighted to be back chatting to you. Yeah, we spoke about uh, nearly two months ago now, just at the start of the season uh, down under. Uh, of course, there's five Tipperary girls uh, competing in the AFLW this season and we've eight of the ten regular season rounds played and uh, yeah, it's been interesting from a, from a Tipperary point of view. There's been loads of uh, kind of storylines for the Tipperary girls. We've three debutants this year and Ashleen Maloney and uh, uh, Ashley Maloney we had Neve Martin making her debut recently and uh, still awaiting Anna Rose's Kendi's debut of course with you long but uh, Ashley McCarthy Orlo Dwyer still doing their things for West Coast Eagles and the Brisbane Lions we'll start with the Brisbane Lions Orlo Dwyer a milestone for her there last week making her 50th appearance and uh, you know she's been probably one of the pillar Irish players in the sport she has for sure, Paul. Absolutely brilliant. You know, Orla is a superstar across the, the whole game in AFLW, not just the Irish players. Uh, you mentioned she had her 50th game last weekend. That's a massive milestone that's celebrated in AFLW. She became only the third player ever to reach 50 games after Cora Staunton, who's since retired, and Sarah Rowe, who, who reached that milestone the week before her. So 50 games for Orla over the last number of seasons, you know, um, She's won a premiership. She's won an All-Australian. She's reached 50 games. She's still only 25. She's a superstar of the game. So uh, an exciting future ahead still for Orla. And she's flying it again this season as our Brisbane Lions. You know, uh, Orla has scored four goals this season across uh, the eight rounds so far. You mentioned there's only two rounds to go. Orla has played in all eight rounds. She's amassed 129 disposals, 33 tackles. Absolutely phenomenal stats week in and week out and uh, is a critical part of this Lions team now at this stage and their midfield and uh, Brisbane Lions absolutely flying at eight games played they have six wins and two losses so they're currently sitting in fourth on the table so with only two rounds to go uh, the critical thing in terms of the the ladder as they call it or the table there's, there's 18 teams in AFLW the top eight teams get to play the finals which run for a further month after round 10 and the top four teams get what's called a double chance and home finals and stuff like that. So every um, game and even score is critical at this stage now because a lot of these teams are separated just on percentage. But Brisbane Lions are currently in fourth and in that top four and, and looking good to be involved at the business end of the season. Yeah, which is which is great. Like to have the the Tipperary women still in, involved um, in the latter stage. And this like Brisbane Lions, as you mentioned, uh, won it I believe two years ago now. So um, do they kind of have a team that can can contest at the very very top end this year? Do they think? Oh, they certainly have. You know, you mentioned they won it two years ago. They had lost three finals prior to that. They lost the final last year um, to Melbourne uh, Demons, who are absolutely phenomenal team as well. I was at that game myself. At, it was their first game at their new home ground, the Brighton's home, Homes Arena in Brisbane. So Brisbane uh, Lions have been competitive continuously since AFLW started. They have maintained a very strong squad with some new up-and-coming young players integrating in perfectly there across the last season or two as well. Uh, we also have Jennifer Dunn from Dublin um, in the squad this year now. She's only played a few games after travelling over late after Dublin won the All-Ireland, but uh, she's already getting more comfortable in a defensive role there. So, yeah, the short answer to that question is Brisbane definitely have a team that's very competitive and deserving of being in that top four and should be 
I, I would imagine would be disappointed if they're not involved at the, in the grand final or winning a premiership this year. Yeah, well, um, looking at um, Ashley McCarthy, I suppose she's another one. I believe this is her fifth or sixth season down there. She's up to in the kind of 40s range in terms of appearances in the league. Uh, she's with the West Coast Eagles. Their record is 2-6. and six. They currently sit in 16th place, but... I suppose she's been a key part of this West Coast Eagles team, um, albeit seems to be a, a possible kind of dysfunctional team. I saw they got rid of their manager there in the last couple of weeks, so all, all might might not be well at West Coast Eagles. But despite that, uh, Ashley McCarthy is still putting up very good numbers. Yeah, Ashley is a superstar as well at Eagles. Uh, one of the best players on the team, a member of the leadership group there, uh, which shows how highly she's um, held and esteemed by her teammates. Uh, as you mentioned, the Eagles not having the best of seasons. They're 16th at present. That's where they finished last year. So uh, similar uh, enough season to last season. And there was a bit of controversy um, from the round before last. Uh, further to some comments from their head coach. That was after a heavy loss to Melbourne Demons. Uh, incidentally, the girls bounced back from that and uh, won last weekend, which was brilliant for them and for Ashling. And, and Ashling was an integral part of that win. Uh, they've won two games this season. Ash Mack has been a huge part in both of those. But it doesn't matter whether the Eagles are winning or losing. You know, Ashling is uh, having a fantastic um, season as well. This is her sixth season, actually. You know, her fourth with West Coast Eagles. She signed initially with the Western Bulldogs and played two seasons with them before trading from Melbourne over to Perth. Uh, she's going to play her 42nd game this weekend. Again, she'd be up a bit closer to that milestone number, uh, apart from a couple of injuries that she's had across the the last two seasons but um you know she's brilliant again she, this year alone she has 48 tackles across the eight rounds which just shows you how hard we know how hard she works when she does have the ball this shows you how hard she works when she doesn't have the ball so yeah a huge part of the Eagles squad um critical to their two wins so far this season and with just two rounds left to go uh, I'm sure the Eagles would would love to pick up another win and, and probably, yeah, there'll be a, definitely a regroup ahead of next season with a new head coach um, obviously going to be appointed now as well. So uh, hopefully that will be the, the start of some positive fortunes for the, for the Eagles heading into 2024. Yeah, and, and moving on now, I suppose one of the exciting acquisitions, I suppose, from a uh, Australians uh, or Irish uh, women heading down for the AFLW this year was uh, Ashley Maloney uh, went to Geelong they're currently in 8th place uh, 4 wins 4 losses but Ashley has played all 8 games scored 4 goals and I suppose how has her development been um, since moving down I know there was probably a lot of kind of uh, excitement to a player of that calibre head, heading down to Geelong Oh there definitely was I look at it it's a sign of of um Ashling's ability that she was, had played all eight games after heading out pretty late in the season or in the preseason, you know. So um, we know she's a superstar. We know she's going to transition to the AFLW game, and she's proven that already. She scored four goals. Three of those goals were in a game against the, one of the top teams there, Melbourne Demons. Uh, she's already looking like a big aerial threat for Geelong up front, and, and that's going to be a big bonus to them. But also as what's considered a tall player. She's exceptional when the ball hits the ground or hits the deck, as they say down in, in AFLW as well. So, yeah, very exciting future ahead for Ashling. Uh, four wins and four losses for Geelong. They're currently in eighth, so they're in that top eight for the finals. That's not secured yet, obviously. As I say, two very important weekends coming up. But if Geelong got to play finals, that would be a, considered a successful season for them. And um, I think Ashling is going to get better and better. You know, they're still... Um, 
getting to these Irish players are still learning the rules and getting to know the structures and the setups uh, to a certain extent. And I think Ashling has said this herself in interviews that she's playing off instinct and, and has just been kind of given a free roll up forward there by Geelong. But as uh, week by week, um, Ashling and all these Irish players are getting better. And yeah, with a bit of um, good fortune across the next two weekends, we should we should she should she uh, should see sorry Ashling and Geelong taking part in the final series. Yeah, and uh, I suppose her Tipperary teammate Anna Rose Kendi also joined with uh, Geelong to start this year. Hasn't appeared yet, so it's obviously probably takes some people longer to adjust uh, to to the game uh, than others. Oh, certainly, you know, and I think uh, Anna Rose might have had went to Australia carrying an injury as well, so that's probably yeah. definitely impacted the the start of her season. And when she makes that debut, whether it will be across the next couple of rounds or not remains to be seen. But no doubt, um, her spending the season over there and, and learning the game. And you know, and being in that professional environment for a season will stand to her in good stead when she does make that appearance. And how good is it for Geelong that they have a, a player of Anna Rose's ability still to come into the team yet as well? So uh, it, it will be exciting for them and for her when she does get to make that appearance. Yeah, and f- finally, from a Tipperary perspective, Neve Martin, of course, uh, went down to start this year to uh, North Melbourne Kangaroos, and they've been very good. Six wins, two losses, sitting third place in the table. She made her debut in week seven, and then last week, week eight, she uh, scored a goal for the first time. So Neve Martin has had to wait for her opportunity, but it looks like uh, she's taken it on, on what's a, a very good team. She definitely has, and, and you've nailed it there. You know, North, North Melbourne Kangaroos are one of the top teams in the competition. As you said, they're currently in the top four. Uh, they were in the preliminary finals last year. They'll be there, thereabouts again this season. So it's always hard to, to break into any team, but to break into a, a top team like that which, with such a strong squad is an achievement. So there was great excitement when Neve did make her debut in round seven, and we saw uh, some brilliant scenes where she was presented her AFLW debut Guernsey by her Irish teammate Eric O'Shea from, from Cork, and they're great friends and living together out there in Melbourne now at the moment. Um, and then to follow that up a week later in round eight and, and to score her first AF, AFLW goal, there was fantastic excitement around that as well. Um, so, And she's in again for this weekend for round nine. So, um, yeah, great to see Neve getting some games at the back end of the season. And I think, without question, North Melbourne Kangaroos will be involved in the final series as well. So I'm sure Neve will have more opportunities to play further on into November. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant to see how how they're able to adapt so quickly. Like, it's such a short season, so to be able to uh, come in uh, not playing the sport before and come in and get considerable game time and be able to impact a team is just a testament to the the ability of all all these Tipperary girls down under. But finally, I suppose, just um, in the season itself, a lot of the... Uh, some of the Tipperary girls were saying that oh they'd they'd love to come back and play with Tipperary next year. The way these these seasons play out and in terms of time scale, you know, is it possible to come back and play and then go back out to Australia, or would you think many of the Irish girls in general would be able to do that? Yeah, I think so, Paul. It will definitely be on a player by player and a club by club basis. Now, obviously, the new CBA has just been agreed uh, across the last couple of weeks, and this is massive news for the AFLW. It kind of sets the structure of the competition across the next few years, right from 2023 up to 2027. And that kind of determines the length of the season, how many games and all of that. So uh, it it was envisioned that the season was going to get longer this year or next year in 2024. At the moment, it's going to be one round uh, longer, possibly two maximum, but more than likely one round longer. So it looks like season 24 is not going to be significantly longer. Maybe um, preseason might start a couple of weeks earlier. So, 
there may be opportunities for the Irish players uh, to come back and play with their counties, and that will very much be down to the individual clubs. You know, for Ashling and Anna Rose, it will be Geelong, and and their end of season meetings with them. But like, if you're to look at Ashling Maloney and the debut season she's had, she's probably in a strong position to to be able to negotiate to come back and play with Chip. And in general, um, you know the clubs are very much um, willing to work with the players on that basis. You know, they want the Irish players to be happy. They want them to, to do what they enjoy. They very much understand at this stage the importance of uh, LGFA and, and their communities and their clubs and their counties at home and, and get that opportunity to play. So I think it, it's reasonable that we'll see a, a couple of the Tipperary girls back and a number of the Irish girls in general. Uh, obviously, some of the other players now have, have become more established in Australia and uh, haven't been back for a number of seasons. But it, it will happen in 2024, but then gradually across the next couple of seasons and, and by the end of this new CBA period up to 2027, 20, I think we will see the AFLW season getting progressively longer and longer, maybe by around each year. And it will get to the point uh, that it will be far more difficult for Irish players to, to try and accommodate both. But I think there will be some flexibility in 2024 for sure. Okay, and just finally, uh, you mentioned there the CBA, uh, the Collective Bargaining Agreement. I, when I hear that and I hear more games, you're, I'm surely thinking that maybe more salary has been negotiated here. Yeah, it, you know, there's been fantastic news. Um, last year alone, obviously, there was a big pay rise for the AFLW players with the, their, their basic salaries um, almost doubling, going up by 97%. There's now been additional increases uh, for every season from 2023 to, through to 27 as part of this new CBA. So uh, for 2023, even th- though the CBA came in halfway through the season or even more than halfway through the season, the salaries for this season alone went up, I think, by 27%, and, and that would have been uh, paid back to the start of the season. It increases again next year and so on. So there is um, improvements in pay and conditions and salaries uh, every year from now on for the duration of, of the CBA and um, so obviously that's fantastic to see as well for the Irish players and for all the AFLW players in general that the, the female game is, is getting more resources and the players are getting more well paid. And it's just recognition, I suppose, for how fast the sport is growing and, and for how popular it has become. Mike, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you again and catching up on how everything's been going. Um, I suppose we'll probably check in, hopefully, if we have a few Tipperary women competing in the playoffs in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, Mike Curran from the AFLW Ireland, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Thanks very much, Paul. Appreciate it. Mike Curran there from AFLW Ireland, giving us a rundown on how all the Tipperary women are getting on down in Australia. And just speaking of kind of ladies' football there, must mention uh, best of luck to the Borja and Duala ladies football team, of course, representing Tipperary. They're the Tipperary Intermediate County Champions and they're in the Munster Intermediate semi-final. That's tomorrow. They're playing Glanmire of Cork and it's on in Borja at 2pm on Saturday afternoon. So we wish Borja and Duala all the very best of luck. Now we're going to take a quick ad break. We're going to be talking marathon running and greyhound racing after these. So welcome back to the third and final part of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 27th of October, 2023. Now we're going to be switching our focus to something we haven't really covered much on the show, and it's the uh, art, I suppose, of marathon running. And of course, the Dublin City Marathon takes place this Sunday. I'm sure plenty of people around the county travelling up the M7 to Dublin to partake in the Dublin City Marathon. And someone who's also participating is our very own Stephen Kyo here from Tip FM. And uh, I'm going to pick Stephen's brain about uh, running marathons and uh, everything that goes into it. So, Stephen, thanks for joining us on uh, this Friday's show. 
Thanks very much for having me, Paul. I thought this was a sports preview now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You're an uh, acclaimed sportsman here in the offices of uh, the offices of Tip FM. Um, running a marathon, Stephen, this isn't your first one by, by, by all accounts. It's not. I got into it about six or seven years ago. Midlife crisis hit and bang, I said, OK, I'm going to run a marathon. So I did my first one, which was Dublin. Um, I just got bitten by the bug. Some people do the first marathon and that's it. They, they you know, they tick it off. The, it's on the bucket list and they've done it and that's it. But I just, once you did, I just did it and just wanted to do another one. Wanted to do a faster one. So, yeah, this is number nine. So, yeah, looking forward to it on Sunday. Um, ninth time. I think it's the fifth Dublin marathon I've done. I've done a few around the country as well. Um, still haven't done an abroad marathon uh, out of Ireland, but uh, I think that's the next one on the bucket list. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that something uh, you would do? But yeah, it's just the way you describe it there, like uh, catching the bug, it's very similar yeah. to, I suppose, people, uh, well, from my experience, getting into golf. Once you get into golf, you kind of, you get the bug and suddenly that's everything you do for a while. But uh, with with marathon running now, we're Friday when I'm talking to you here, um, marathon's on Sunday. What does, like, what does this next kind of couple of days look like building in towards uh, running a marathon? Well, at the moment, I'm drinking a big, massive, it's a two, I think it's a three-litre bottle of water here because the, the, the biggest thing to do is to try and get yourself um, hydrated. Um, dehydration has been a problem for me. A number, I mentioned I did eight, so a couple of them now would have been a bit of a disaster where I would have been really struggling towards the end. Uh, the reason for that is dehydration. So I'm, I'm drinking the water. Uh, that's crucial. Uh, eat normal. Don't do anything different uh, is, is always is great, great advice in the lead up. Don't do anything that you would not normally do ahead of a race, like eat eat things that you wouldn't normally eat. Um, stick to your routine. Don't train is, is, a, is a hard one because for, for runners in particular, it's almost like saying, you know, don't train because I've been training all the time, but then you'd still taper off the last couple of weeks. So the last long run I did was last weekend. When I say long, it was, I think I did 15K. Um, the weekend before that, I did a 32K, uh, a three-quarter marathon. Uh, so then this week, it's really tapering off. I did, as I say, a, a longish run at 15K there on Sunday. I did, a, I think I did a seven or 8K on Monday or Tuesday. Yesterday I did a three, a little three k. It just seemed like I, I nearly left my clothes on to do it. To be honest, I just went out for three k, little run around um, the the house, and then today nothing. Tomorrow nothing. Rest, um, sleep as much as you can. That's what they tell us. Now I didn't exactly um, do that last night, but I'm hoping tonight I will uh, sleep well. Uh, get a lie on in the morning because I know on Sunday morning that won't happen. I think nerves kick in. They generally do, even though. Um, I've done a few obviously before you still get that sense of anticipation and the nervous energy on a Saturday uh, before a marathon uh, it's funny it just hits you every time and, yeah. and you, re you really won't sleep well on the, the Saturday night tomorrow night I, I just know uh, I won't so as I say trying to build up as much sleep as I can, can this evening uh, so that's more or less my, my routine and also be very very careful that you don't you know just even walking up and down the stairs or just you know, picking up something on the ground. I'm I'm really superstitious like that. I'm so oh, I'm going to pull a muscle or I'm going to do. Or if you've a little tweak in your leg, you can. Oh no, I'm ruined now for the big day. But yeah. uh, touch wood, everything as I say will will be okay on the on the day. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. A lot goes in. You just what you're just all about getting to the day itself, I suppose. Now, but uh, for for Sunday, then what time is the what time does it all get underway up in Dublin? 
It gets underway. I'm, there's four waves, so I'm in the second wave. So the elite runners who'd be who'd be you know running sort of three hours even under that, uh, and, and obviously the winner who'd be probably on about two hours ten or whatever, they'll be in the first wave. Uh, then the second wave, I'm in. I, I'd be sort of targeting a time of. Somewhere under four hours, I'll be following. There's, there's pacers and uh, the pacer that I, the pacers that I'd be interested in following. Uh, I'll probably go sort of between the two pacers. Um, would be the 350 marker, maybe the 340 if I'm really feeling good, uh, and the, the the four hour marker. So when I say pacers, there's these guys running uh, with balloons hanging out of their 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 belts if you know or whatever i don't know how they hang it on they tie it onto them but you can see them from a distance so you're following these guys so as i say my pacers uh setting off at a quarter past nine uh i think the first wave goes off at five to nine uh, so the crowds start to congregate there around fitzwilliam square and remember there's about twenty five thousand that signed up for this so it's a massive event so wow. um roughly about eight o'clock I'd, I'd be aiming to be there sort of 7.30, quarter to 8. Uh, it takes a while to get to the start line, as you can imagine. You, you sort of walk towards the line. You, you, you park the car as near as you can. Um, but it can be a, it can be a two. It can be a bit of... I tell you what, it's a bit of a journey to get back to the car after the race. That's more of a problem. Um, but, but getting to the car is fine, or getting to the race is fine. Because as I say, you sort of, you know, you're, you're all in good form and you're, you're stretching and, and um, walking towards the line. You all split up into your different waves my wave is five past nine. Then there's a wave, I think, 20 minutes later. Then the final wave, the fourth wave, goes off at about um, just before 10 o'clock. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. And as I say, routine is, is so important. If, if anything throws you out, I mean, I know I'm speaking like an Olympic athlete here, but if anything, anything <laughs> throws you out on the day, you know, if, 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 if your car broke down or just something, if something went wrong, it would just really it'd be on your mind for the four hours when you're running. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned kind of nerves there as well. And like, is the nervous energy you just I suppose you've been training for this for a while. So it's all built up to this. So it obviously bigs up in your head or oh, it's in are, your head. Yeah. 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 Does the, is that where the nerves kind of come from? It's not kind of an external thing or trying to beat a time or anything like that. It's just, I suppose it's, it's all been built up to this and now here it is. I don't know what it is, Paul, but yeah, I mean, it's, as I say, it's, it's, it's only you're racing against yourself because nobody cares like what time I come in on, on Sunday. It doesn't matter to anyone except me. Um, it doesn't matter how I feel. It's just, oh, you did the marathon, great. You did the marathon, good. Fair play to you. That's it. It's, it's not that big a deal. But to the runner, it, it is. And, you know, you want to feel good at the end. You don't want, you're just nervous. I just say, I've had a few that have gone wrong on me. Uh, now, I've always finished, but I've really, really struggled. Um, and I just don't want that to happen. So you'd and be is nervous. that like you're kind of walking over the line for a finish or, or what? Mm, I, I, I've never walked over, but I've, I've hobbled. Re- I mean, yeah, I, I, I cramped up. Uh, a couple of years back um, around the UCD flyover, which is about three, four miles to go. Um, and I mean, I was lying on the ground and, and, the, the, and the guys were trying to, trying to relieve the pain. And um, eventually I got up, hobbled, walked for a little bit, staggered then and, and just made it across the line. But it leaves a really bad taste. And, you, and the fact is, it's every year. So you know when it goes wrong, you have a year to put it right. And yeah, you might do the Cork Marathon or the Limerick, but it's not the same as the big Dublin Marathon, which in your head is the big one. And yeah. you have to peak for the day. You have to, you know, it's all about it's all about Sunday. I mean, if I wake up on Sunday morning with it with um, a cough or, or COVID or, or even a, a sniffle, do you know what I mean? It would or, or a niggly, niggly sort of ankle or something. Yeah. It, it it could upset the whole thing. Yeah, and um, what's that feeling like when you do cross the line? Like, is that 
that's probably where I'd imagine the the kind of base of the addiction <laughs> maybe kind of comes from is when you cross the line. I'm sure it's a fairly borderline euphoric kind of feeling. It is. Yeah, no, it is. And and it's not actually just when you cross the line, but it's the whole buzz of the race. And, and that's why Dublin is so special uh, because of the crowds. They And people will say this now from all over the world. They come to Dublin for the crowds. Uh, I don't know what it is about the Irish, but uh, they're all out there lining the route. Um, I heard somebody describe it once as your, your own personal All-Ireland hurling final. And it kind of is. You get that and, and you almost feel like you're because you're running and your mind is wandering and you don't know. You're just trying to distract yourself all the time. And, and you almost you're convincing yourself that these guys are all out for you and you're high five and the kids are out, you know, and people <laughs> out with banners and they're cheering. And the first like I love the first 10 miles because you're feeling really great. And you're I'm high five and everyone. And then slowly but surely through the race, you start to wilt. Uh, you hit the wall. Then um, it's a killer around Klonski. It's up a, a, a hill. Uh, you come up to the top of Foster's Avenue. Once you hit there and you're coming downhill, if you're feeling good, there's nothing better. And as I say, I've had, what's this? This is eight. So I've had six really good experiences and two really bad experiences. And the bad ones, you know, people are shouting at you, and, yay, come on, keep it going. And you're just looking at them and you're going, <sighs> you, know, you haven't even had the energy to, to, to you know, smile. Whereas if, you, if you're coming down uh, past UCD into, into, Donny, into Balls Bridge there with, you know, feeling good and you can p- pick up the pace, and you're running towards the line and, you know, never mind your personal best. But if you're actually feeling good at the end, I think that's what makes it. And you're, you're you know, you're cheering with the crowds. And that that is, a, I don't know what sort of a high it is, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a high that you just want to keep going back for. Stephen, we're going to have to leave it at that. It's been a really interesting chat. I could probably go on for, for longer. So I'm kind of curious about the whole thing of running marathons and things like that. But uh, the very yeah. best look and hopefully you do experience that euphoria when you cross the line uh, under the, the time you want on Sunday. Paul, you sound like somebody who's going to run a marathon in the future, so highly recommended. (laughs) (laughs) Right, thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Paul. And our own Stephen Kyo there checking in ahead of Sunday's Dublin Marathon. And of course, Courtney Maguire from Clonmel Athletic Club, the reigning and defending uh, national women's champion. She'll be looking to defend her title, of course, at the same event on Sunday. So we wish Courtney Maguire uh, the very best of luck. What an achievement it would be to go back to back. Of course, her last year's success was her first ever marathon and she won the national title. So uh, she had a bit of a niggle during the week. So uh, she had a fitness test, I believe, in the last couple of days and she's since passed that so she will be competing on Sunday so we wish the very best of luck to Clonmel's uh, Courtney Maguire there uh, for Sunday's Dublin Marathon but now as always on a Friday evening it's time to talk dogs with Barry Drake Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep so we're looking forward to another uh, busy weekend of uh, greyhound racing action with uh, plenty of uh, top-class racing all over the country and uh, some good action to look forward to below in Clonmel tonight. They're expecting a big crowd, I know, and uh, racing action will get underway at 7.30. And some, as I said, some good racing action. You have the uh, Springmount Kennels ON2 or ON3 stake getting underway as well. That's got a €1,200 Euro, uh, first prize. So we're expecting some good action uh, in that over the course of the next couple of weeks. You also have the uh, Please Kennels um, ON2 stake as well getting underway 1100 euros to the winner of that so plenty of unraced action um, tonight uh, in, in Clamel so often um, hard uh, to predict winners on those races so we're just looking at a, a couple of trainers that normally do well there and um, Clona Cody um, is an exciting young talent in the closing race in the card that one for Kevin O'Brien in Clannacilty, um trained by Adam Dunford that looks um, sure to go very well there 
in that closing race one to keep an eye on elsewhere in Clonmel tonight um, Adam Dunford as well very much the, the man to follow I think because he's got a nice sort uh, in uh, race number 8 as well that's uh, Mikey's Bullet who impressed in qualifying last time and um, that one should deliver a big performance so as I said Adam Dunford a young trainer that's going places and expected to be among the winners in Clanmel tonight switching our attentions to uh, Turles on Saturday night of course their usual uh, racing car down for decision getting underway at the earlier time of 7 o'clock they have a nice final down for decision it's the OMC Technologies ON2 final with 1300 euros to the winner and this can be all about Luminous Butsy this one uh, for Dennis Lennon down in County Kilkenny a runaway winner in the opening round in 29-39 that's sure to go very close but also trap number one Emily's Superstar who actually gets a narrow vote here uh, for, for Brendan Kenny um, this one um, impressed last time and winning in 29-26 so we had um, two in, impressive winners um, in the opening round and I think they'll battle it out as I said it was all about Luminous Butsy in, in, its, um, in his opening round but stiff opposition here with Emily Superstar and I think there are a couple of nice greyhounds in this the likes of Oakfield uh, Bullet as well for Thomas Jordan and County Tipperary they all have bright bright futures ahead and uh, keep an eye on them going forward you also have the Mick and Mary Burke Memorial A4 uh, semi-finals down for the season a wonderful prize here of 3,600 euros to the winner of this uh, great competition next week kindly sponsored by the Burke family in Barnan and um, as I said it's a real good competition opening semi-final competitive event to say the least uh, Borna Kitty on the outside should go well uh, for Catron Dwan in uh, County Tipperary and also the likes of uh, Bogger Ace for Liam Peacock another one to keep an eye on there but it is a competitive semi-final and the same can be said about the second um, semi-final uh, they look well matched on paper you have the likes of uh, Devs Diva for trainer David Hickey who is expected to feature prominently alongside Killville Arnold on the inside that one for the um, Patrick or sorry the Peter Patterson team there and the Killville syndicate so two open contests but as I said a uh, lovely prize money there you have the John Kenny Gunboat Memorial A3 525 final 1250 euros um, to the winner of this competition uh, Tommy O'Donovan uh, is the man to follow here with Alves Dream in trap number 6 that should go very close also keep an eye on Sober Mags along the inside uh, for David Flanagan and Hello Sonny as well for Paul Hennessy I know a couple of leading jockeys involved in that greyhound uh, the likes of Paul Townend and Richie Condon uh, among others so I'm sure if Hello Sonny can get the job done uh, there will be uh, big celebrations there in Turles so it's going to be a wonderful night of racing action uh, in Turles on Saturday night you also have the uh, Maura Crane Memorial A4 570 final down for decision Old Hand will start as one of the leading fancies um, there uh, in that race so a big night uh, down for decision uh, there in Turles on, um, on Saturday night so very much uh, looking forward to seeing how that will unfold there uh, in Turles. Uh, switching our attentions back to Clonmel on Sunday night. Uh, they have their usual racing action down for decision. 7.31 start. You have the Riverside Stud. Munster Juvenile Cup here 7,000 euros to the winner of this competition this really is going to be a, a big feature uh, in Clanmel over the course of the next couple of weeks Graham Holland has Swords Hudson for Barbara Lowndes in heat number 3 I think that'll take plenty of stop in there and uh, certainly one to keep an eye on for the competition so very much looking forward to that also in Shelburne Park on Saturday night more top class racing action down for decision with the Racing Post Greyhound TV Puppy Oaks two semi 
semi-finals down for decision 5,000 euros to the winner of this uh, great event next week plenty of uh, local Tipperary trainers the likes of Pat Buckley Jennifer O'Donnell uh, Patrick Gilfoyle Owen McKenna all very much in the mix uh, for this uh, competition so uh, still all to play for uh, we'll preview the final itself uh, come this time next Friday night so it really is another weekend of top class greyhound racing action and many thanks to Barry Drake there as always on a Friday evening giving us a comprehensive rundown on all things greyhound racing both locally here in Tipperary and nationally and further afield as well so uh, that's just about all we got time for for this Friday's edition of Across the Line of course, I'd like to thank you listeners for tuning in and all my guests uh, for helping make this week's show happen. And of course, a reminder that Sunday, 3 o'clock, if you do need reminding, it's Kiladangan versus Thurla Sarsfields in the County Senior Hurling Replay. We'll be live here on Tip FM from 3 o'clock on Sunday with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel here in Nina. So until then, have a good weekend. I'll be talking to you on Sunday uh, from 3 o'clock down in Semple Stadium. Myself and Ken Hogan on duty for that one. So until then, have a good weekend and we will talk to you Sunday. Bye for now.